Hi, everybody. This is Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic to talk to my friends who are in all different places to learn something and just have a good time. There's so many opportunities now during the pandemic to be able to catch up with people that I don't normally get to talk to because we're all so busy in our lives and going in so many different directions. For me, it's been such a pleasure to be home and be able to chat with people like Bob Bowker and Dr. Joyce Harmon and uh, like Emma Loftus from Australia. So it's really given me an opportunity to connect with a lot of other people that are experts in their field, really knowledgeable, want to do the best for their horses and see that there's another way to do this. Today, my guest is Becky Kells. Becky is a two-hoof surefoot practitioner, and we can explain that as we go along, but she's been working with a wide variety of horses, and she's also a dressage trainer. So welcome, Becky. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This is great. So Becky, a lot of people probably don't know who you are, so why don't you give us a little bit of your history, your background? Well, um, I come into the horses a little bit differently than probably most people. Um, I always loved horses, and um, wanted, you know, to ride as a child and had those dreams and went to school to, at the University of Massachusetts, um, studied animal science, uh, pre-veterinary studies, worked as a vet tech and was going to, um, you know, conquer the world with my equestrian skills. Like all, I think like we all dream of doing, come on, we all dream of going to the Olympics as a kid, let's face all it. All disillusioned horse people do. And uh, ended up, um, after I graduated from school, worked for um, uh, Garrett Reuter um, in Vermont. And we sold horses and I rode a variety of young horses and, and upper level horses. We showed competitively all through New England. And... Um, then I uh, left there to work for a family business and ended up working as a general manager of a water park for 20 years. And because water parks are seasonal, I found myself still trying to stay involved with the horses and I would go down to Florida and going down to Florida opened up so many different opportunities. I could see, I, I could see Olympians train, I could, you know, drive over to watch Robert Dover teach. I could go anywhere because at that time, so that was like in the nineties, um, it wasn't quite as strict down there and you could really go and watch and observe and talk to people that normally were not somebody that I could have ever talked to. And, um, I had a lot of great opportunities. I worked with Kathy Conley one year, Sue, um, Blinks for one year. Um, when I was down there and discovered it was just such a great experience. So I ended up going back and forth for over 20 years working for people in Florida and then working at the water park. Um, and then eventually I decided that the water park was, um, you know, I was kind of over it. It's, it, it was intense, you know, 2000 people a day uh, is a little bit much for 20 30 years actually. So then I just got back into the horses again, which I really enjoyed and that's where my heart was. So um, I had a, uh, I've had a couple of really nice horses along the way, but this one particular horse, I buy my horses uh, young and I, I really enjoy the training process as well. And this one particular horse, um, he's a Dutch stallion um, by Sir Sinclair. Um, he was the trickiest horse I probably ever had. Um, and I have ridden many, many stallions. I worked at a property where we bred and 
did national show horses and Arabians and I rode the stallions there. But the, um, this, this guy, whoo, he, he humbled me. Are we talking about Timmy? Timmy, he humbled me, man. He made me a liar every day. And, uh, and, and that was actually, you know, awesome because we only learn, I learn best from failing, not succeeding. So it made me keep, you know, digging down and learning. And, and, and I tried many, many things and they didn't work. And then, um, I found you (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, you know, and, and honestly, Wendy, when I heard about it, I was like, Oh God, here we go. Another one of these, you know, carrot stick bag, whip trainer things, magic voodoo. What is this? But I figured, Oh, I got nothing to lose. So we, you know, the first time I met you, we went up to uh, the New Hampshire and um, it was amazing. You know, I, I, it was so, it was so unimpressive that it was life changing. You know, it really, <laughs> I think that's a compliment. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Uh, it, it was, there was no bells. There was no whistles. There was no accent. There was no, you know, it, there was nothing but just a pure understanding. It's such a genuine level that I never, ever have seen before. And, and that is probably what hooked me the most. And then it kind of, you know, it's, it's the teaspoon thing, just a little taste. And that gives you, you know, want to go back to the table for a little more and a little more. And what was so impressive was the differences that my horse showed was significant. And, and that alone, that speaks to me huge. Cause if, if you can, if I, if you can get to my horse and you're probably going to be able to get to me and, and, and cause horses are so honest and they don't have a language to make everything confusing and excuses and, and all that other stuff. So, um, when I saw the changes in Timmy, I, I it really, it was beautifully humbling because it, it, um, it just made me go, wow, I, I, this is such a great journey an endless journey that I can, you know, I can evolve even more. And that's what kept drawing me back to, you know, Surefoot and, and the other programs that you do as well. So here I am. <laughs> you know, uh, um, the working at the water park, you know, most teachers have worked in the school year and have the summer off. But the idea of being able to go to Florida, Florida is such a unique place in the horse world. Um, the concentration, the number of horses, the number of top riders, you can just throw a rock and see 10 different Olympic level riders um, because that's where everybody goes in the winter. So it's, in a, it's an amazing place to see, um, see that side of the horse world. Um, yeah, highly competitive in all ways because the, everyone wants their horse to perform. Everyone wants their horses to do well. So if something works, it sticks. And if it doesn't, it's gone. And, and it, it happens so fast down there. Um, it, it's pretty wild, you know, and, and, it, and this is, it, it's pretty wild how that, how it, how it plays out. Cause up here, sometimes I don't see stuff I've seen in Florida last year and I'm just seeing stuff now this year. And I'm like, wow, this is, you know, it, it's the fast track for sure. Yeah. It's the fast track. It's, like you say, it's very competitive and um it's very social and you know you can go to a show every single day practically um you know and and so you get the lot of practice about show skills and that sort of thing definitely but the the one thing i i kind of feel like in that world 
is that they're so focused on the skills and goals of showing that they're in, that other ideas don't always get in. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I think that's a little bit of a hole. Um, I but can that's say not just the dressage world. If you look at any, any discipline in the horse world, they tend to insulate into their little pocket, whether that's, you know, uh, uh, Arabs or endurance or you know they tend to pocketize right <laughs> um, and then and then we don't get a good sort of flow through the different disciplines um, and so at least in Wellington you do have the jumper folks and you do have the dresses so you have kind of two worlds there but and and the polo but that's a whole unique kind of story in itself um, uh, but I do find that people get so sort of tunnel visioned on their goals that they can't see that there's other opportunities. Well, what, one of the things that I, I, another observation I made was, you know, rest isn't rest is such, such an important part of training, mm. you know, the processing of it, the recovery for the body. And, and, and I think it's almost like, I don't know if I should say this, but it almost is like an addiction. Like they can't stop training. And yeah. the it's horse. A really good point. It's a really good point. It it's everything is training. And 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 I think for such a wonderful, simple animal, you know, that at at some point, you know, it, it gets a little bit exhausting. And I just found my, I, I just know my horses and I've ridden to Grand Prix. I've ridden everything. So I can say this, honestly, I find when my horses come back from a break, yeah. they're so, they just feel so much happier and so much better. And they didn't forget anything. No. And if they did, then that's my fault. Cause I didn't train it right. You know, they're not going to forget what they learn. They still know how to make a circle. They still know how to go sideways. They still know how to do pee-off and their tempi changes. Yeah, maybe they're a little bit rusty. Their timing is a little bit, but you know. It comes right back. If it's it really comes in there, back. it comes right back. So much faster when they have the opportunity to, you know, maybe come down a little. And, and any athlete, I, I mean, I was a competitive ru uh, runner as well for years and, you know, your body needs to rest and recover and then come back stronger. Um, I just found that more successful. That's just, you know, my opinion, but. But that I, is a really good point because they're down and the weather's nice. And so the tendency is to train a lot. It's almost over, yeah. over training though, because I, a lot of horses I worked on, you know, down there when I did the sure foot pads, one of my things, and I never had said this, this was just a, a, an observation I made was, I wanted to say to a couple of pretty, you know, uh, good riders and really nice horses, um, your horse needs a break. He's actually too fit. I mean, how many people do we say the horse is too fit to? Yeah. Like, but the horse was too fit, you know, just ready to go all the time. And, and they should be ready to go, in my opinion. But... Well, you know, there are a lot of really good trainers down there and there's, and there are new ideas that are coming in and that's for sure. So it's not, um, but it, the tendency for anyone who's sort of, uh, an A type personality who really wants to compete yeah. tends to get a bit insular in the gold. And, you know, um, uh, that's one of the things that I heard actually with the pandemic that a lot of these competition horses could actually be given the time to heal. I know they were just kind of, 
you know, getting by with because they're because of the regulations and because of the competitions. So, you know, there's always a plus side coming out of something like a pandemic. And one of the pluses, I think, may be for the horses and the opportunity for people to look for other ideas. Um, just as a case in point, oh, now I've forgotten his name, but there's a Grand Prix dressage rider down there and someone sent him my video that I did with the two skeletons showing okay. what happens with the rib cage rotation and the loading in the front legs because I have right. my little person skeleton and my horse skeleton. It's available on my Murdoch Method YouTube channel. Um, and he watched that and he went back and he completely rethought how he was training and stopped worrying about the back end and started thinking about the front end. And when he started getting the horses more up in the withers, he said the back end came along, didn't need, to have, didn't need to work on it. So there are really positive changes that are happening. Um, we don't necessarily see all of them right now because we're kind of still in the moment. Um, and, you know, and, but I'm just really curious to see where, you know, like what's going to happen next and how this is going to play out and what opportunities are going to change and what thoughts are going to change given that, people have kind of gotten off that wheel a bit because there's not as many competitions and, you know, we've had to isolate and all those kinds of things. Well, I think to, to, to say, you know, to come to, from, I know what I realized was to come to the, to come to the, you know, that type A personality and just hitting the pause button is, is so important. You know, I find, and again, it's just my opinion, but Hitting that pause button is okay. And it's what I, the pandemic sort of did. Hit it's more than your opinion because there's a lot of research that talks about the need to rest in order for the brain to make the new neural pathways and new neural connections. So, you know, um, if we're not given that opportunity, and Dr. Peters, this is one of the things I loved about his webinar. I'm going to have to see if I can get him back. But, you know, he talked about after you see that lick and chew, which you know is dopamine, if you let them right. sit a little longer, they'll go into a dreamier state. And, and he talks about serotonin and that's help building the scaffolding for new dendrites. Um, and this is obviously one of the things we see so commonly with Surefoot is that state where horses get uh, really, they look like they're asleep, but they're not asleep. Right. They'll look really dreamy. They'll have their eyes closed. They might be swaying. They might be off the pads and looking asleep, but they're really not asleep. And you know that because the minute you ask them to move in about a couple of strides, they're right back. Right. Right. Um, and so it's, but I think that in those moments where we see these horses appear asleep, there's, they're in that really peaceful state. They're not in a stress state. And so now we're getting the serotonin and now we're building new dendrites. And so they're repatterning some of the habitual movement patterns that they discovered while they were on the surefoot pads. Well, and the, the three things I, I, I believe you were the one that said it and I kind of stole it from you. It's just, I, I always, one of the conversations I have with the people I work with is it's awareness and, and that can be, you know, taken into every aspect of horsemanship is awareness, process, integration. And integration can take two seconds or two weeks. You know, it, it's, there's so many different factors where integration comes in is the integration that happens when the opportunity allows for integration to happen, but the awareness has to come first yes. and then the horse is going to process it and then integrate it. And, and the, you know, those are such key components in, in, I believe in learning, you know, you don't, you can't learn something if you're not aware that you're not doing something in the first place. And then you can process it, you figure it out, you sort out how this is going to work for you. And then the integration is when it starts to feel 
it, it naturally starts to feel different. And, and that's what I say when I say intimate or unimpressive, because that's that aha moment where, you know, two weeks later, you're trying to go sideways, trying to go sideways. And all of a sudden, wow, sideways is so easy today. Well, it probably took a little bit because it just takes the time it takes, you know? Right. And, and I didn't come up with those three words, but I, I talk about awareness all the time and I talk yeah. about processing. So, um, but you've done a great job, whether you came up with it or someone else of those three <laughs> words, because awareness process and integration is so, and it doesn't matter if it's a horse, a human, a dog. Exactly. Cat. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're just always aware. <laughs> and they integrate whatever they want, not what you want. That's the, they train us. But, um, <laughs> You know, sometimes we forget that, the, you know, the horse is such a long creature and the thought to get from that brain all the way through all four legs and all the way to the back end to do something is huge. And, oh my God. And, you know, they're a quadruped and we're on our biped time and we want things, you know, I want you to stop now. I want you to do this now. I want you to do that now. And, uh, you know, I have a horse. He's a Clyde Thoroughbred cross, Al. And when he was young... He was, he's not dumb, but you could see him and you'd put something in, you'd put a thought in and. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then, but the thing is, once he got that idea, it was in there and I would leave him for weeks cause I'd be traveling and I'd come back and he would say, was this what you wanted? Was this what we were doing last time? Right. And I'm right. like, yeah, like like instantly counter canner went really we could just do the left lead not the counter canner and he's like no but you worked on counter canner let me show you what i figured out and um, right you know it's really when you start to realize sometimes hey they're not doing it wrong they're tr actually trying to feed back to you something that they heard from you and we've failed to recognize because we're already on some other task right, right. No, that's not what i said oh wait a right. second you did say that you did ask that um so we were supposed to talk about uh, uh, thoroughbreds and surefoot pads, but I think what I might do because of the kind of glitch that we had with the sign-up is I might hold that thought off till next week and just um, bring that thought up next week. But this week, what I'd really like to do is I, I, um, I want to go back to Timmy for a minute. Do you have a picture of Timmy? Not on what, um, okay. no. That's all right. Um, but when I met you, it was, well, it was a year and a half ago now, when I met you and Timmy, he, he was, it was so fascinating because it was so obvious that you were very experienced and you were a good rider, but this horse was, um, uh, I don't, well. On vibrating a, is what you said. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say on a low level of frantic, but vibrating would be a good thing. It's like he would go through the motions, but everything was kind of like, yeah, like vibrating from inside. And uh, I remember that, you know, he did not take to the surefoot pads instantly. We really had to break that process down for him. Still do. Uh, yep. And we took you off and, and I remember I worked really slowly and did little bits and then had you do other things and kind of just, and then we had that private lesson at the end. Um, and then we really broke it down even further. Um, but, but Timmy has a story. So tell us a bit about his story because his story is not a unique story. It's a really interesting story, but I have come across some other horses with similar things that express it a little differently. Cause tell us about him when he was a young, young guy. 
Oh, I got him when he was really young. Uh, six, he was weaned, maybe eight, nine months weaned. Um, so I've had him his whole life. So I can't blame anybody but myself for everything. <laughs> um, and he was untouchable. You know, he was, he was cattled onto the trailer and let off with, uh, a, you know, side panels to, into a paddock. And I couldn't catch him. I couldn't touch him. Um, at the time when I saw him, he was um, in a, um, at a, as a, as a baby at a barn and, and I loved how he moved and things like that. But he just had a kind of a little bit of a sad look to me, which I didn't understand. But um, how old was he when you got him? Eight or nine months. He was weaned. And then where did he, um, where, where did you, um, what, not the farm, but, but the location. Um, up in Northern Massachusetts, uh, Northern uh, New England. Did you ever meet his, his dam and sire? Uh, the sire, I know, uh, the sire was Sir Sinclair. And Sir Sinclair's lovely. He's one of my favorites still. I'm, I'm, he's my, he, yeah, he's a lovely horse from Iron Spring. And um, the, the dam sire was, uh, 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 she was a hot tamale from what I understand. Like she was almost, she was considered unrideable because she was so hot. Um, but when I first got him, it was just, you know, there was a lot of things I think going on at the time where he came from that made it hard for him to have had kind of a fair start. I'll say that. Um, but it came to, you know, trying to get him to trust me, trying to get him to interact with me and not his, his flight and fear was a hundred plus. And did you go and see him as a foal there before you bought him? I did. Yep. yep. And was, he, was he similar to the horse that stepped off the trailer? Not at all. He was quiet, very introverted, very sort of scared, um, and not very interactive. The horse that got off the trailer was, you maybe had the room to really show that this fear that appeared to be the shutdown horse was a horse that just wanted to run and be, you know, not have anything to do with people. Um, and it took, so you're almost looking at the two extremes. I, I was like, I thought this horse was scared and I was going to build his confidence, which is, is exactly the same thing I had to do. But this horse was at the other end of the paddock and was having nothing to do with anybody, you know, me, um, cause I was the only person handling him and it took such a, I mean, he, I would, I would touch him. I would get him and he would shake and I would, I tried, you know, all these little, I tried treats. I tried everything just like food. I just sit with him. I would let him come to me when he felt comfortable. He wouldn't even eat. He wouldn't come to me for food. I just ended up leaving food out in the field for him. So he would eat because he wouldn't even eat. If I stood there, he would not come. And I sat there with him. So it was really, I mean, really made me think and uh, like, I'm thinking how, what, where am I going with this? And, uh, you know, I would keep him in a smaller paddock and I would try to, you know, approach him when he, when I could, and then back away when I couldn't and see where his, his comfort level was. And it, his comfort level was so small that if I got too close to him this one time, I, I, you know, thought I was okay he went right through the fence. I mean, wow. that, that high. And um, 
I cried. I would sit and cry. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do. And you know, called all my expert friends and they're just like, you know, tie his head to something or you got to leave him in the stall. And if I left him in the stall, I think he would have climbed out of it somehow. It, it was, it was not normal. And I worked on breeding farms and I worked with a lot, a lot of horses. So I knew, again, like I said, he's made me a liar in, in a lot of things. Well, so I he's just, also made you a student. Yeah. Humble, humble, humble. And, and I did reach out to, so I did it out of the box because I was pretty traditional and classical in my thought process at that point. And I did, um, I reached out to some of the natural horsemen and I, you know, this guy came, <laughs> it was so funny. I said to him, you know, <laughs> look at dressage queen. I said, you know, I know all you natural horsemen and how you do all this stuff. And I just want to tell you, if this doesn't work, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> he goes, well, you know, all you dressage people. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I, I need to shut up right now. And, and within, at this time, I was able to get a handle. Uh, uh, I, I had a halter on him and I had to do the little catch string with the bailing twine for that's how I was able to catch him for a while. And then slowly, you know, be able to touch his body. So it, by the time I got this guy to help me, um, we were able to have the halter and the lead on him. And this gentleman was just, he, he, he was fantastic. He took the time. And when he was handling Timmy, this horse sweat profusely the 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 white foamy fear sweat all his neck his shoulders his hind legs and i'm just like what is it i don't even know what's happening this is is this a wild mustang you know because his fear was just so high um but i would say the he probably worked with him for maybe an hour very quiet by the end of the hour his head was soft and down and the eye his eye completely changed and and i i started to cry because i was like oh my god what is happening because it was i've never seen anything like that and so this gentleman helped me um you know ended up spending a lot of time helped me break you know saddle timmy and everything like that and was just critical for again another huge part of my understanding of horses. Yeah, but I think you you told me that he worked really slowly. Very slowly. And, and I mean, my friends were like, put a halter on and put it at this. You know, my, my friends, experts, whatever. You know, trying to do the traditional. I said I can't do that with this horse. I, I, he'll. I think this horse should die if I tried to do that to him. He'll either kill himself or have a heart attack. I mean. This is not, how old now, just so people have an idea. He's 14. Yeah. He's 14. So, and you know, it's fascinating. There's, there are these horses that they're either born that way or something's happened early and they're like this. There's not many. And I've come across a couple with Surefoot. I had another one up in Canada who super, super foot sensitive. And after three days, we never had him on a pad, but I showed the owner how to approach the idea. Um, of getting getting the horse to trust and putting yourself between the object and the horse as a safety zone so that the horse could feel secure that there's something 
in between. But you know, these are these are rare horses. They're they're not this extreme. This level of extreme is is rare. And you know, you have to give yourself yeah. so much credit yeah. for hanging in there because the average person either would have sold the horse, killed the horse, no. killed themselves, yeah. tried to do the traditional thing. Um, but I do believe these horses come along for a reason, um, especially uh, to people like us, because they're there to, sh to basically give us a knock on the head and say, you've got to go another direction. And I agree. To think outside the box. And you have I to agree. be willing to that everything that you thought you knew, you don't know. Um, and to, um, <laughs> you know, and to explore. And otherwise, you know, that's that's the thing is and I know so many times I've talked to people where their lives have changed because of a horse that came into their life that really. didn't fit the box you know and I'm totally yeah. grateful 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 and I will tell you now if if he could sit on my couch and and eat popcorn and watch tv he he doesn't understand why he can't because he's just I mean if anything's ever happened if he's ever gotten loose or i've ever fallen off the first thing he does is stop and look and are you okay you know or he if he gets away or what he are you okay and that the trend transformation to me was absolutely remarkable and no one could have told me that this was going to happen with this with this horse so the the learning curve was was huge and and i think it's you know and like you said it, it very very grateful and humbled which is such a beautiful thing. It's a gift, really. I think humility to 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 say thank you to another horse that you know. Wh what is it? Who said that uh, one lifetime's not enough to learn how to ride? Mm. Oof, or learn about horses, and and that that is for sure. You know, for so sure. Timmy was so when I met you, Timmy was about twelve or thirteen. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, you've been riding him, you have competed him, you've taken him to shows, you've taken him to train with other people. But, you know, when I met him, there was still this underlying vibration. Um, well, and and I can remember that, you know, when you, you came, you were like, I could have gone to this other clinic, but I chose to come here. And, and you weren't sure what you had walked into. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I still need some more humility sometimes. It's oh, that was great because there was people there that have worked with me before. We all looked at you come in and went, oh, this will be really interesting. <laughs> but, you know, you, you the thing that I want to congratulate you for is you were willing to look for something different and to go to someone that, you know, wasn't like a top competitor, you know, with all the, you know, USDF letters behind their name and that sort of thing. But, yeah, um, and to be willing to let me take you on a on a journey if you will that was you know a path you hadn't been on before but you were willing to go there um and you know that's i think one of the things that more of us could could benefit from being willing to say you know what i'm it's a, i'm just gonna put what i know aside and just kind of see what's going on well, it, it's so funny because the catch twenty two of that is is I'll I'll consider this a great you know a gift or a learning opportunity for from with you is now that enthusiasm I have I want to go and tell everybody and I'm talking to the same people that I had the same attitude and they're just like yeah right so it's it's kind of funny now I'm on the other side of yeah. that. You know, and so sometimes we're a student, sometimes we're a teacher, but I get it. I get it. And it's, um, and it's okay. You know, it's really okay. 
So, so um, when you left that clinic, it was, I think it was a two day clinic and a day of private lessons and you went home with your surefoot pads and your horse and, and you started to work with this yourself. Kind of tell us how that went with Timmy. Well, like you said, he, he was, he was still skeptical and, and he's, you know, he's, he's a, which one of your panelists had talked about before. He's a fire horse for sure. I think somewhere fire, which is, you know, he has the, um, he's had ulcers in the past and those are some of the issues with his personality that is not a surprise. Um, so when I, I'm always afraid I, I, I'm going to cause the ulcers, which I know I'm not going to cause them, but I don't want to add to them. So my reservations with new things is a little bit, you know, a little tentative because, um, I know his history too. And I don't want to set him off. I don't want something new to set him off. You know, if I boarded him out somewhere for training, we're back home because the ulcers kicked in and that happened three times. So I don't even take him out anymore. And, um, uh, it's just, he's that horse. He's just that horse. And, um, so little by little, I had to do the pads. I, I did a lot of the stuff that you had showed, you know, that we worked on together, but still very, very skeptical. Um, he would put his foot on the pad because he was trying to be a good boy, but he was just doing it to be a good boy. So then I had to try to, you know, work with him to understand you don't have to do it to be a good boy. I, I'd like you to try this because maybe this is interesting. So I just would change the way I, I would reframe the question because he was trying to be a good boy. And, and it's so I'm like, you don't have to be a good boy. Just, but it's, it's so fascinating, isn't it? Because you, oh, it, yeah. it, it's a different, it, first you have to realize whether or not the horse is just trying to comply because that's what he's exactly he thinks he's expected to do and i've come across horses that have been <laughs> trained that think they're supposed to tan on the pad because it's a it's a clicker thing right um, but they're frantic antic right they're they're not okay about it and to yeah. help them understand if you stand on it it's great if you don't stand on it, it's fine but that's a you know, it's a subtlety. It's kind of a fine line. It's not an easy thing to describe how you can shift that thought, but it has to come from you in that it's like, yeah, whatever happens, it's okay. And to right. realize when he's like putting that effort of pleasing versus investigating. And, and I think partially, you know, I, I, I've worked with quite a few stallions and I, and I always, yeah, I find with the pads, with the mares and the stallions, and I don't want to be generic about it, but I think that compliance for stallions and mares is just a little bit higher. We're a little bit more that herd mentality, that natural instinct to survive kicks in a little bit more. Geldings, I find, are so much more like, okay, I'll do whatever you want. You know, whatever. That's fun. Sure. I mean, I'm not saying all of them, but I no, think but the that's, that's hormonal kind of factor. I, I always respect that hormonal factor. You know, I always not excuse well, ask the mayor. You can't tell the mayor. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah. At, Rhonda yeah. has a mayor, so she knows what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> Would you like to do this, please? And um. What do you think about this, please? You know, and so I always respect that part, you know, that, that hormonal part for, for stallions and mares um, when, I, when I do work with, with them because um, they definitely, I, I find they look, they approach things differently.
you know, it, my observation, but, uh, and I, and I can, I can appreciate that. So with Timmy, it was a little, you know, is he, does my question to him a lot was, are, is, is this hard for you to go to this place because it's going to take him for, he's not going to be protecting the herd, you know, because if he gets that low, he's not in a protective, protecting the herd mind. He's, he's very, very compliant, which I think for a stallion, that's really tough place to be because the, they always, the ones I've written and experienced, they, there's just always a little something and you, you could, I've worked around it and I work with it and I work with it, but I always respect that little something. I don't really have the word for it, but it's just a little something. And for him, I think to come all the way down, it's almost too life-threatening, if that makes sense. Well, and, and for him to do that, it would be so important that he feels very safe and that everything is managed in the herd, that there's, not, yes. there's nothing requiring him to have to do and that he knows someone's in charge. It's kind of like, you know, when you leave to go on vacation and you have a bunch of animals, you're really hoping the person you left in charge is going <laughs> to make sure everything's okay. Right. So you can go away and have a good time because if you're at any question at all about the person behind taking care of the animals, you do not rest on vacation. Right. And I think it's that, that same kind of analogy that he's, you know, he, everything needs to be managed and okay so that he can then rest. And I think that's hard for him. Right. I, I respect that piece. Um, it's it, again, it's something that, you know, you figured, I think you figured these little pieces out as you, as you, you know, always try to evolve your relationship with your animal um, and say, oh, that's interesting. You know, that that's interesting how you see that, you know, and he has gotten a lot, 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 lot better. And, and you know, he prefers what he prefers, which I understand that too. Um, and and uh, one of the things that I think is interesting, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I, I really need to start writing it down. So, so I'm, 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 uh, I'm understanding myself better because I think I'm thinking this and if I don't write it down, I'm not going to make sense. Um, but I find that some of these more sensitive horses, maybe a little more the thoroughbred type with a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the thinner sold horses, the hotter horses, I really find in my work, they like the firmer pads. Mm -hmm. they like that's just my observations in the ones I've worked with and so Timmy really likes the firmer pad he likes to have physio he likes the orange pads and he doesn't mind the the slants behind in sections I don't think I've ever gotten them on all four yeah. it's you know um um, yeah, you know, there's, I, I do find that I work a lot with the harder pads with the sensitive horses and that going too quickly to a softer pad uh, is not necessarily a good deal. That you really do need to stay with, like the, I love the half physio pad and that's what we worked with with him. I think, I'm sure that's what I sent you home with then um, because it just, it's, it's a, I don't know. I find it such an interesting pad. It's such, it's a way in without being too confronting. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's an, such an invitation and we see really fascinating things with people and horses 
with that half physio colic, alleviating colics, um, you know, just, uh, we're talking to veterinarians now about, you know, if the client could use the half physio pad at home, and then the horse went to the clinic and was again put on the half physio pad, you could make that connection between this is how it felt at home and here it is again, right? And it's an it's easier pad to work with. So I totally agree there. So um, I know we want to get to some of the other stories that you have, but the bottom line is that Timmy will stand on pads now and his vibrating is much less. Yeah. And even the, you know, even when I ride him now, I mean, it, again, in, in, on this particular horse, you know, he, he, his mouth, he was busy with his mouth, which again, it makes sense to me for the personality that he is, you know, just more of a, a warrior anticipating, um, you know, but waiting, wanting to please, but then anticipating and, you know, but the, all that has, it's, I mean, it's not gone, but it's significantly better, significantly yeah. better. Like it's not, I have to remember it now, whereas before it was always obvious. You know, and now I have well, to remember. It's been a year and a half, but I think what you said is, you know, you've never had him on four pads. This is not like your instant success horse. This is your long no. horse. This is, your, he's similar to the Snip, the uh, Pasifino that is the long haul horse that's three years later, made huge improvements and still has more room for improvement. Um, and it wasn't like an overnight success. It wasn't like put the horse on the pad and everything magically happened. It was like, this is the beginning of your journey. And here's the yeah. pad you're going to start with. And you have a lot of homework. Um, and that's, and that's true. It's, it, it, that's a, 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 an interesting conversation sometimes to that develops is, you know, I'll go to some work with some of the horses and they're just, I call them poster children. You know, the, I was like, this is a poster child. And I'm thinking to myself, I do this all the time and my horse doesn't do this. You know, like, it's always the, you know, the, the cobbler's children have no shoes. Oh, believe me. I know exactly what you're talking so about. So I'm like, why my horse? I, I do this. I invest. I go to the courses. I pay attention and my horse is the worst, but it's okay. You know, I love to see other people's horses show me what eventually maybe my horse will do. But some of them first time out of the, out of the gate, out of the box, you know, they're staying there. I have this one, I mean, she was swaying back and forth. She's, you know, everything. And I'm like, wow. And, and I didn't really, it was a mare too. So I usually don't, it, it was really surprising because she had a lot of history to her too. Um, and I was really surprised at how she responded so quickly. And um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I love uh, the experience are, are just amazing, you know, that, that come from it. And, and the stories that come out of using the pads and the, the questions that we get to ask the horse, I say to ask the horse. Um, but it's the, true. We're, I, we're asking those I, questions. What do you I, yeah. I mean, it sounds kind of, uh, you know, a little bit. Uh, but it's the only time I know where we truly ask the horse what the horse would like instead of say, you're going to like this or just do this. And that, that is, wow. What a, beautiful concept that is when 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 i latched onto that concept that you said now when do we ever ask the horse what he wants never yeah i just think he's going to want to care and he he responds because it's a response but when do i ever ask him do you you know do you like this color saddle pad i put on you today you know no you put it on because that's what matches and it <laughs> looks and everybody's wearing it it's not 
No, come on. He could care. He would be so happy just covered in mud. But that's not, that's what he wants, but that's not what we want him to want. So to ask the horse, what would you like? Do you, would you like to try this? Would you like, what do you think about it? And I don't even think some of them know how to answer that sometimes. No, you know, no I, agree. I really don't. I, I think they, they're, they kind of look back at me like, I don't even know what you know, just asked me because nobody ever has asked those questions before. So that's such a cool, you know, uh, question that I, I, I really ask. I find myself asking that all the time, Yeah, you know, and I had this one, this one little Maris just telling you about that was a little poster child. I put the pad down and she was a little skeptical in the beginning. And I put it down the second time. And I said that to her owner, I said, so this is what's kind of cool about this is I'm actually asking her if she would like to stand on this pad. I'm not saying she has to, I, I, I'm asking her, would you like to stand on this pad? And I'll tell you this mare turned around and looked straight at me. And I was like, Oh, well, okay. You like, nobody ever asked me that. And then she stood on the pad. So it was a funny little moment that had occurred in that because the timing was just crazy that I had just finished saying that yeah. and the horse looked at me, you know, and I thought this was one of those weird moments. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's such a, that's a really interesting question. It, it, it definitely, um, uh, again, so I'm just, just con considering the idea of, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with a horse, uh, there are times when we insist <clears throat> on things, right? Um, and there are some horses that require more assist, more insistence than others. Um, I have one horse and he, you can't trust him because if you don't insist, he's going to try and take over. And that's just the way he's been his whole life. Um, and so, you know, you have to be a little clearer, a little more um, definite about things. It doesn't mean you have to be um, anger. I think Sharon Wilsey talks about intensity. You have to increase your intensity level with him to make it very clear. This is what we're doing because sure. if, you, if you don't have that conversation with him on a daily basis, um, then he starts running people over. Um, whereas there are other horses that are super sensitive. I think this goes back a bit to the, to Madeline Ward's talk about the, um, the, uh, five element theory of horses. Some of them yeah. like fire horses is you, you barely say anything. They're like, Oh, you know, it's like, um, cause I had a fire horse, Andy, and he would just try way too hard and second guess and get frantic because he couldn't figure it out. But you know, it's like, wait, just, just wait. <laughs> Right. Um, and you have to approach them in a completely different manner. But the, the idea of offering, I think, is the really the key and, and, and as opposed to insisting. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of one of the fundamental principles of Surefoot is the offer, the ask, the giving the horse a voice. They're a, allowing them to say, no, no, I don't want to stand on that pad. It's like, fine, you don't want to stand on that pad. You know, I mean, it's, there are horses it, that say no. And I, and I, you know, that, that, is such a great another conversation for for a lot of people too because we try as riders i i know my my students and then they try and they try and they try and they try and they're trying so hard that they like i always tell people what that i teach i say you know you get there there is a there like but you sometimes you keep trying so hard you miss it yeah you know? yeah that's a really good point like you're trying but you're there now you're not anymore you know like, you go you, 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 you go past it like it, you get there 
but it, the the there is realize that you're there and you don't have to keep trying you know you're gonna try something else we're gonna try something else but and then you'll have to get there but there is a there and you do get to it you know and yeah, then there's another there it's I know just, exactly what you're saying it's kind of like missing your exit on the exit ramp you're so busy <laughs> on the highway you just cruise right past, and then you're ah uh, i missed it and you have to go back um and in the horse world particularly i you know i i've i've done this question a number of times and say what do you do well and people go uh uh what do you do about, I don't do this, I can't sit the trot, I have a problem with the canter, you know, the litany, but it's so hard for us to say what we do well. And I think that's also true of how we look at our horses. It's so hard to acknowledge what they are doing well, that they're trying, that they're, you know, they're trying to figure out what we're asking, that they've actually accomplished it. And we say, hey, good job. You know? and, and understand that, yeah, they're, it, it's, and unfortunately it's it's a lot less impressive than i think we expect or or people expect you know that and a lot of times when i am teaching i say you know this is like when you're speaking with a horse if you can you know you think about their their bodies i mean my my little donkey will look at my 17 hand 31 year old show horse and just give him a look and and he's like yup you know and that's 10 feet apart so what an intimate conversation that is you know that's a very intimate conversation and and i think when i when i when i am teaching i i try to tell people you know this is an intimate conversation you're having with your horse you know but if you're if i'm screaming at you if i was screaming at you all day long put your right hand down put your right hand down pretty much in about 20 minutes you're probably not going to hear me anymore or less less than 20 even you know yeah but if i if if maybe i come up to you i touch your hand i give you a feel of what maybe i can reciprocate a feel of what that feel is your brain can process that and now we've we've had an intimate moment but now you can absorb that and that works instead of me you know telling you explaining to you and converse and the same with the horse if i maybe one second take and make three pounds less pressure in my hand two pounds, a, mil, a, a half an ounce pressure in my hand, that can make an incredible difference in that relationship for that moment. And, and you could get there by just that little tiny piece. Yeah. No, it's, it's not bells and whistles all the time. It's not. No, I think that that's so true. And that, you know, this is where Sharon Wilsey's work is so great too, because it's, she has made a lifetime study of looking at the really tiny, subtle things that horses communicate between each other. And then, you know, we, when we seem to not be getting heard, we just get louder. Right, right. right? Instead of stopping and going, well, wait a second, maybe I've already blown past it. Maybe I've just shut the sensors down and I'm so way past it that I've got to stop and come back to a, a much quieter, more subtle um, message to be heard, that, that their nervous system is just shut down. They can't hear what we're saying. Because in the herd setting, you're absolutely right. That little glance, that little look, it, that little ear twitch that, you know. And, you know, we do it with each other, too. We do it with sure. each other all the time. You know, you're sitting across the dinner table and somebody does something and you give them a look and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm getting <laughs> Right? It's a, you, the, um, uh, what another little concept I say 
lots of people, as I said, you know, writing is the art of doing everything very well. Mm. It's, and it, 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 it's when, and when anybody does anything really well, you, you, you can't even see mm-hmm. all that's happening. If you, you know, we like to watch the, those, the, um, snowboarders and the skiers, oh, the, yeah. the X games, you watch those kids drop down some of those, um, incredible ramps and those, I couldn't even go up there cause I, I'm afraid of heights. There's no way I could even get up there. And you watch these kids drop down and just literally dance through the air like that. That is so incredibly hard. And they make it look, even when they fall, they make it look effortless. So it's the, you know, writing is the art of doing everything really well that it looks like it's, it's easy. There's nothing easy about it. It is incredibly hard. But the trying is, you have to try without trying. Every, it's so many, you know, of the oxy... Uh, paradoxes, yeah. Yeah, paradoxes. It's the art of doing everything and doing nothing at all. It, like, how do you teach that? <laughs> One little piece at a time. Right, right. That's for sure. Well, Becky, we have blown through this hour, believe it or not. Wow. Um, yeah, I know it happens. Um, but bef- uh, before, and we didn't even get to your picture. So obviously we have to have you come back and we can talk about some case studies. Sure. Um, some of the horses that you're working with. But I did want to talk about what a two-hoof practitioner is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that anybody, because that was, I kind of alluded to that in the beginning. So the Surefoot Equine Stability Program has a track for equine professionals that want to be Surefoot practitioners. In other words, you want to be able to use uh, be authorized to use the brand and use the the process in your uh, professional work in a, as an additional skill. So there's a lot of people that are using Surefoot pads as part of their skills. That's totally fine. But if you wanted to be able to say that you're a Surefoot practitioner, to be able to charge money for Surefoot sessions and do what Becky's able to do as a two-hoof, then you go through the process of becoming a Surefoot practitioner. And we're, in it, we're working on how to set that up during the pandemic um, to have some online learning. I talked about that last week in my webinar, so please go watch that webinar. Um, but there's always going to be an in-person piece because we don't see ourselves with our own habits. We don't see the things that, we're, that are habitual because that's the nature of a habit. It's unconscious. But as a two of practitioner, Becky can work with small groups. She can, you know, do what we call is surefoot pad parties where you get some people together and she has the pads and you try the different ones and see what the horse is like. And, um, and it's really fun. It's really low key and uh, it's a lot of fun. And so, you know, you can find Becky. Becky, if people want to reach out to you, how do they find you? Well, I'm listed on your practitioner's page on surefoot. Um, in US, uh, the USA, North America. Um, I do, I have my own little page. Uh, it's called Equine Soft Tissue Injuries. Um, I'm going to do a shameless promotion that I did write a book on equine soft tissue injuries because I had to rehab um, my horse and um, it, it developed into a book. Um, and I really need to do a revision because I, I need to put your foot pads in there. Yeah. Well, when you do that, we'll get it up on the Murdoch Method site, okay? So there's oh, some inspiration for you. Deal. Deal. <laughs> um, so I have equine soft tissue injuries is, uh, is my page on Facebook. Um, and I post a lot of things on, you know, anatomy, physiology, injury, all kinds of stuff, um, educational stuff as well. Um, and um, really, Facebook is the best way to get in touch with me. Um, uh, and it's Rebecca Kells on Facebook, it's right? Rebecca Kells, yeah. That's my professional name. My other pseudo name. 
Kells with a K, K-E-L-L-S. So look up Becky, look up her page in Soft Tissue Injuries. And um, next week we have a lineup of guests. I can't think of who they are off the top of my head right now. Um, but just go to the murdochmethod.com slash shop. Sign up for the webinars. I think I'm going to have to fix a few things and maybe have you guys re-sign up for the ones where the registration didn't work out right, um, which is what happened with this one today. You know, it's, a, it's, it's always a learning curve. Um, but of course, you can watch this and all the other webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. Subscribe. You'll get a notice every time we put up another webinar. I've got a great lineup of guests coming up. We're working on, on um, um, a number of different um, farriers. We've got uh, the woman from Humble Hoof and another person that uh, we just found who um, contacted me. So I'm kind of looking forward to starting to have some guests that I don't know at all. And that's going to be just great fun to learn about new people and what they're doing. Um, so thanks everybody for, for watching. Thank you, Becky. This is, this has been so much fun. I, like I said, I just love these webinars because I get to chat with my friends for an hour. I know. I love it. Thank you so much for asking. You're welcome. And we'll have you come back and talk about those case studies. We'll do that on another Friday. Sure. Um, and I'll get in touch with you because I think that you've got some great case studies. I think they'd be really fun for people. Great. Perfect. Thank you so much, Wendy. All right. Everybody take care. Have a great day. Bye. Bye, Rhonda. Thanks. <laughs>